following podcast contains somewhat colorful language. Listener discretion is advised. traders around the world i hope you listen to that public service announcement at the beginning of the episode because unfortunately with the token that i'm going to be covering it is vital that i warn you in advance that there will be some colorful language not because i want to but because in order for me to provide adequate coverage fair and unbiased it is necessary that i read it exactly as i see it tell it like it is aaron neville 1966 so i wanted to make sure i warn people in case they're playing this on their loudspeakers at work. I hope you're not, but maybe you are. And if you are, I appreciate you for at least exposing to other people. It's just that with this one episode, and I hope there's not many others, but with this one episode, there's going to be some colorful language. And I want to make sure you were clear about that. Before we go there, let me go through some news that I think is worth your time. And I implore you to go and look into some of these because As I said in the previous episode, some of this gives you indicators about the industry at large when you see some of these movings. And hopefully this information is beneficial and interesting to you as part of the daily update to cover things I feel are of significant interest in the larger crypto industry. Number one, Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin has been hovering near its lower resistance and had some challenges getting back up, but it has been trending slightly upward. There were some major sell-offs. There were some people that were dumping Bitcoin. There were also some of the organizations that bought into Bitcoin previously that had not done so. And it does seem like most of the Bitcoin buys are happening in the United States as well as in Turkey. And in Turkey, it's because of inflation. So the their currency, their fiat is the lira. And the value of the lira, which when we test value of foreign currencies, Normally, they are measured against the United States dollar, generally speaking. Not always, but generally speaking. And so they look to see, basically, for one lira, what's its equivalent in the United States dollars. And then depending on what that price movement is, then it changes the sentiment of those in the country, but also people who transact with the country. So what's happened, as far as what I'm seeing, is they're seeing that the lira is losing value and that there's major buys happening in Turkey because of the drop in value. Now, there's kind of a mixed opinion on this because, and I'll explain this on some later episode, probably a separate informational episode about the graphs and the reds and the greens, because I think there's a lot of misinformation about there about what you see on a graph. But in summary, having a lot of buys has been perceived as a positive thing. But the truth is, is that you don't want to have buys of low-priced whatever, crypto, stock, items on the shelf, doesn't matter. For you as a buyer, you want a discount, right? But if you are a holder, you don't want the price to go down. The price is going to go down if people are offering it for sale at lower prices because they're trying to get rid of it. They're trying to drop it quickly. You always want to see that they're selling for a higher price, which pushes the price up, the market rate. 
when Bitcoin is going down and they're so-called buying these dips, yes, it should be good, but if it keeps happening and we're not seeing stability come as a result in the form of consolidation, it means that there's less sentiment to Bitcoin and confidence of its growth. Now, I'm bullish on Bitcoin in general because I believe that it, it backs so many other currencies at this point in terms of liquidity pairs, plus there are so many large players, especially in the United States, that buy bags of Bitcoin on a regular basis. We're still not even close to the total capacity of circulation of Bitcoin. So I, I am bullish on its long-term sentiment. And its growth seems to indicate that we are coming back out and coming to a recovery. But when we see things like this where there's a fiat that appears to be triggering this kind of massive buy, it makes people a little bit nervous. What is the sentiment? What is really going on? And as well, are they going to just buy it at a discount and then dump it when it starts going back up just because they were trying to use it to kind of get away from the inflation that's happening around their currency and the depression of the value of the currency? That usually means that they're going to quote unquote pump and dump it. And that's also making people nervous. It's something to keep watching for. But the fact that they're buying, the fact that there's interest in buying should be perceived, I believe, as a good thing. I believe we should be celebrating the fact that there are people out there still interested in buying into Bitcoin, regardless of what's happening with their core crypto. Now, what we want to see in the United States is, could this also lay out a model for buys in the United States for more people to buy into Bitcoin than have done as we get more confidence in our government leaving it alone? We don't know where that's going, but as of right now, it sounds like they're mostly leaving it alone until they figure out what that is that they need to do, which could lend to a rush to buy Bitcoin if there were such a thing. I believe the United States in particular would have a bullish sentiment, meaning that we would see buys regardless of the price going up. We would see a lot more long-term holding, which means that we could be getting above that $60,000 mark sometime in 2022, probably around June timeframe would be my guess, if my speculation is correct. On the other end, Ethereum, there was about close to 300 million in Ethereum stolen. And they, these are hackers in North Korea. And North Korea, if you know the story of North Korea, it's been isolated. Mostly it's, it's very off to the side, but they are tightly aligned with China. And of course, because of the way that, because of the way that the governments work in both countries, predominantly North Korea, but in both countries, hackers are, they're, I don't want to say that they're all over the place, but there's a lot of hacker presence in North Korea and crypto is just the latest. So there were a number of security breaches that led into this and it's been theorized. There's been no proof, but it's been theorized that many of these hackers are actually funded by the actual North Korean government themselves in order to get the money so that they can get all the nuclear weapons and things that they've been doing because of all the sanctions and things happening for the United States. There's no proof of that. I'm simply sharing what the theory was. Way back years ago, there was a breach on Sony. They, they breached one of the movies. There was a movie. I forget the name of it now because it was like one of those cornball movies that was kind of satire about North Korea, and there was a hacker that went and hacked that whole release and caused all this lost money loss. And so there's been money laundering and all these different things happening in and around North Korea. And that's why there's been such a turmoil between the United States and North Korea is because there's been repeated attempts to hack. And so now that they're getting into cryptocurrency, remember that cryptocurrency is largely, largely 
anonymous, but there have been large losses. We saw about the BitMart loss. We don't necessarily know even now exactly what happened there because they didn't release a lot of data, but it just kind of gives you a sense of why personal opinion is that you want to try to keep your assets as safe as possible. Don't leave them in an exchange, leave them in a private wallet. Don't release the keys. Don't connect anything sketchy and so on. And take the time to learn about all the different scams and risks that are out there because if it's a hacker, generally speaking, it means that they have gotten access outside of anything you could have done. So in the BitMart situation, there was nothing that the individual investors did that caused that hack. It simply was a breach by way of the custodian, BitMart. Well, there's nothing you could have done about it. And far as I know, BitMart never fully compensated everybody who was affected. There were still rumors about Satama holders who were never compensated from that hack. I don't have evidence that they were or were not. I'm simply going off what I heard and what I saw, that certain people claim they were never fully compensated for what they had lost. And then there was some money announcements, and I want to get into those as well as more follow-up on Congress. I'm going to start with the Congress ones first because I think they are, I believe they're related. I believe they're correlated. So Congress, there's, there's going to be a hearing from Congress, and they're going to be talking about, it's just like the same thing as before, you know, energy uses do, 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 same thing as always. And this hearing is designed to talk about cryptocurrencies use and energy impact of blockchains. It's the same thing it's always been before, where they keep harping on the whole energy chain, do, 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 and they're not acknowledging proof of stake, and they're only attacking, they're mostly attacking Bitcoin's hash rates, because the United States has become kind of a front runner in Bitcoin mining. And so there's, they believe that they have to kind of jump in there and do something about it. And they want to try to stay out of the business, but they also want to do something about it because in the minds of the supporters, it's, they believe they have to do something. They believe they have to take some action. My belief, and this is just me, with what's happening in the primaries in 2022, where, like I said, I predicted a blowout, I believe that nothing significant is going to happen. They're just kind of going through the motions of talking about it to show that they're doing something to justify their salaries. Because I don't believe that they're going to be able to because if they were to make any sort of ruling or finding or change, that would contradict their strategy from an, from an election perspective. It's going to be even further of a blowout. And I think they're kind of on pins and needles, not knowing what 2022 is going to look like after the failures of the current administration. So that's my theory personal that I don't think anything will come of this, but the fact that they're still doing energy use do, do, do is annoying. And I wish they'd get off of it because they're not acknowledging that there has been a strong active push to get away from proof of work, but Bitcoin is the current parent of it all. And so it's right in the forefront of everything else going on, which is unfortunate. And the reason I said it's related to money and how money is flowing. There was an announcement, I believe it was Bank of America. Bank of America has chimed in and they feel that Solana has an opportunity to kind of play the role in crypto that Visa plays in the fiat side. And Bank of America wants to buy into Ethereum as a result of this potential adoption. Well, of course, Ethereum is currently proof of work. And until they do ETH 2.0, it's going to be proof of work. And so if Bank of America is correct, it directly contradicts what the government keeps harping about because we're going to still be using the same amount of energy, if not more. So what this tells me is that the industry at large and all of the different retails as well as banks and 
hedges and everybody, they all understand that crypto's here to stay. We see strong use case in doing these things. We want to make use of it to facilitate more and kind of increase adoption. Meanwhile, the government's kind of off in the corner. And that's why I said that Mark, that article from CoinMarketCap talking about the CEOs meeting with the House of Representatives is a good thing is not true because you see that so many other companies out there are actively working. They don't, they're not paying attention to the energy use deep, 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 like you would think. Most of them simply see it as an adoptive thing. Let's go with this. Let's set some framework. Let's get it in place. Let's make some application uses for it. We will work out the proof of work over time because everybody knows that that's happening. It's a thing. Nobody is ignoring proof of work and nobody is saying that it's the right answer. At the same time, the right answer is never to ban or stop what we're doing. We just simply need to keep going with what we're doing. At some point, it will solve itself. But we just need to have some patience, and I think the impatience is hitting a fever pitch in the current administration. But on the flip side, banking and the current capitalist side of things is wanting to get into this. They know there's a lot of money out there. So I believe, my own opinion, I believe that the capitalism is going to win out because it seems to always win out, which means a blowout in 2022 because the people who support the capitalist side of things are the ones who are trying to get back into office now. If that all happens, I believe we're going to see a more increased adoption of cryptocurrency on a more reg regular scale. I go back to my example. The, you know, the, the shady guy in the drug, not drugstore, but gas store off to the side, bars on the windows that says, I don't know about that, there's need money. Deep, deep, deep. Once he starts accepting crypto, it's now mainstream. We're not there yet, but when you see companies like a Bank of America coming out saying, you know, we could use this to basically do what credit cards are doing on the fiat side, this is, this is awesome. And I, I applaud it. And I don't like Bank of America. I don't think very highly of them, but I applaud them trying to do something that adopts this thing instead of fights it or restricts it. Personal opinion, I think we're going to see strong movements, positive movements in 2022. I'm still optimistic about it. Brokered by some of these larger players who have a lot of money, and money speaks volumes, especially in the United States. And then on the last part about news, because I think that it's important, there were a number of celebrities that were pitching a crypto, and this crypto ended up, as I understand, rug pulling. But I didn't know anything about this crypto uh, I even though it's celebrity backed, I didn't know anything about it, but I knew that there was some chatting about mentions about it. Like I saw the name, the name of it was called Ethereum Max. And the first time I even saw this joke, it was Kim Kardashian and she was pitching it like nuts. And I didn't realize, okay, what is this? And this can't go anywhere. I looked at its graph and I wasn't sold. So apparently they're being sued is Kim Kardashian uh, and a few others, including Floyd Mayweather Jr., uh, Paul Pierce, apparently he's NBA basketball. I never heard of him. Th these people have been, these celebrities have been dragged to court. There was an investor in this, and apparently this was a pump and dump. This token, I again, I knew nothing, didn't dig, dig any deeper other than what I saw from Kim Kardashian, but apparently Mayweather had bought in, and then he was trying to spread the word, saying, hey, here's what this is, and he was wearing some swag, and then the Kim Kardashian deal where he had an, she had ads all over her social media. I remember her ads. I don't remember his. I remember he was talking about getting into crypto, but not a specific cryptocurrency. It seemed like he was just trying to generically get into cryptocurrency. 
But I want to talk about kind of what was stated. So they talked about, they referred to the white paper. They talked about kind of the disclaimers. Remember, I always talk about the disclaimers and certain things. It's like, there's no way that holds up in court. Apparently, it said that in the white paper, we don't guarantee the accuracy of this white paper. Now, first of all, anybody who invests in something that claims to not have accuracy or cannot promise accuracy, uh, at some point, you got to kind of take self-accountability. And this is why the white paper is critical to make sure people are able to see it and read it. And ideally people do read it before they buy into a thing. If you don't read the darn white paper, you're going to miss these things, whether they're enforceable or not, you're going to miss out on these very critical terms, but it's vital that the white paper be there so that people can read it. And then once the thing is, you can read it, then it's important that you take note of what it's saying specifically Regardless of enforceability, just make sure that you're not giving away the pony on the thing. Now, here's my stance on this whole lawsuit, and I'm not an attorney, but I am watching the graph, and I'm watching the behavior, and I'm watching what I see. This one, to me, strikes me as the main reason that I have a real big problem with the various tokens who go to shillers. Because what happens is the shillers are just paid to shill the thing. They don't believe in the token. They don't believe in the team. They don't believe in the project. They're paid a certain amount of money or a certain stake. And from there, they'll just go and say whatever to get people to buy into it. Now, Kim Kardashian has a lot of freaking followers on her Instagram. Floyd Mayweather has a lot of freaking followers on every single social media he has. So just even if they only got 0.1% of the people that follow them, you still have a significant amount of followers. And I'm concerned that that many people bought into it, number one, just based on the Schiller, and I don't like seeing Schillers in play. It's the main issue I've got with Para Inu. They reached out to the one guy who essentially tanked Satama the first time, actually the second time, officially, who tanked Satama. They reached out to him so that they could have him shill the freaking product, and as a result, the price tanked. I don't know when we'll get to the world where these tokens stop going to shillers. It's not the right answer. Toxicity comes when you do that. And there's a bit of a slimy behavior with going to shillers because it means you don't believe you can succeed on your own. I want to see tokens succeed on their own. I want to see them have their own balls in the game, as it were. And instead, I'm seeing so many more that are just rushing to these shillers, and it's getting old. It's, it's honestly getting old and frustrating. And this is the net effect. Now you have a lawsuit about it. Now, whether the lawsuit has any true merit, that's going to be a bit iffy because you would have to prove that the loss was directly correlated to the shilling that happened with these people. With Ethereum Max, the other thing that was called out was that there was no white paper at the initial stages. There is one now, but there wasn't one apparently in the initial stages, which would have been May or June of last year. I didn't go to the site to see if there was or wasn't one. The one that's there now looks pretty detailed, but again, if you wrote it after the fact, it's kind of moot because you just basically said, okay, we got caught. Let me put something out there. That doesn't solve the problem. Now, the price of the graph, I want to just call that out real quick. The price of the graph, it had the same pattern as SHIB, same pattern as Satama, same pattern as everything else where it had that initial pump like they all do and then a crash later on. This one, I believe, has only been out for less than a year. I'm pretty sure it hasn't been out for a full year. Pretty sure it's less than a year. I want to say May is when it launched. I want to say, so we're not even a year in. For this guy, I, okay, I don't think, 
I personally don't think that they have a case. Number one, because you couldn't prove that the crash is directly correlated. Like, in order to say it's a pump and dump, you'd have to be able to prove that the dump was directly correlated to the shill, meaning that the shill did it in the attempt to get people to sell out for profit. It is strongly possible that the shills took profit from the token back when it spiked. That's possible because that's a strategy a lot of them do. But you'd have to, you, there's no way to prove it because it's blockchain. And if you're going against the shill mentality, I support you 100%. I don't think we should be supporting shills, but shills are all over the place. And they're not going to stop because these, these cryptos keep doing it. Even when, like a pair of emu, they start on their own merits. For whatever reason, they get desperate to try to get as many people and quickly as possible. And then they go to shills instead of doing what I think they should do, which is simply find a way to succeed on your own merits. I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, but I thought it was interesting to call to attention that they're getting sued. And of course, you're talking billionaires here, so it's not like they don't have the money. It's probably going to settle out of court, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fought it. Now, of course, if it was a high-powered investor, somebody who has millions on their own, that might be an interesting fight, and it might set some precedence. We might be able to see, finally, a pushback against shilling. This is one where I would love to see at least some regulation to make sure that we're not just reaching out to the, anybody who's paid to shill a product. If you're saying you're an investor and you want to talk about the positives of it, I'm okay with that. If you're saying that you want to pay a true marketing firm to put like ads or things on Facebook marketing, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with reaching to any celebrity. I'm not okay to reach into a Jake Gain or anybody who is designed to shill a product. I don't believe in it. I believe in unbiased coverage neutral coverage right at the center, the goods and the bads, and then let individual investors like yourselves make your own decisions without being, quote, influenced by people who are super wealthy and really don't care about the project because that's the key. Do these people that are talking about this coin care about the project at all or are they just taking money just to tell you to buy a thing and you're kind of going with it because you trust them? I don't think you should trust any celebrity. You shouldn't trust me. That's why I keep saying, make sure you go take a look at it and follow along with it. There's a lot of information, but it's vital you make your own decisions for your own reasons so that you're not in situations like this where you might go into a project simply because celebrities all spotted it. Squid Game is the same way. I want to see a stop to that. And that's, the, that's part of the reason I started the podcast was to try to give unbiased central information, but also encourage you to do your own research and calls to action to where you can learn this stuff so that you are informed and you're not letting anybody else influence it. You might use them to direct you towards projects, but you still have to look at the fundamentals. If this thing launched and it had no white paper at the time it launched, you've heard me multiple times. If you don't have a white paper up there, I'm calling it out because you should, because I need to understand the mechanics of it. If your white paper is crap and para uses is crap, by the way, I'm going to call you out on it. These are basic fundamentals. It's not just about the price. It's also... Have you taken the time to build the fundamentals that give me confidence in you? And are you willing to, do you want to smoke? Are you willing to talk about what got you to the dance, who you are, fully doxxed? I know I can talk to somebody to tell me what this is all about and give me confidence this is going to go forward. So that's happening right now with some lawsuits, and it'll be interesting to see how those go. And I can only hope and pray that we see an end to this rise of, leaning on shills or leaning on, you know, <laughs> Vitalik or leaning on Elon tweets or whatever. And I want to see more get back to succeeding on your own 
like we used to have in I don't know how long ago. Are you ready for our underdog crypto? I left them a lot of time. And the reason I left them a lot of time is primarily because then what's describing on this one, I, I didn't even know where to start when I read about this one. And then I kind of got it in there as I've watched like Rush Hour and other Chris Tucker movies. And I've, I've thought about, okay, how do I want to cover this one? And I felt like, to be fair to you, to be fair to the listener, I need to make sure that I'm covering this right down the middle. I'm describing it exactly as it is. And I want to be fair to them. I want to be fair and, and consider them seriously. I don't want to laugh at all. So I needed to prepare myself because if you read their site, it's you're going to be laughing like nuts, but I wanted to be fair to them. So I'm going to be fair to them. The token I'm covering. And again, I gave the disclaimer up front. So I hope you're not listening to this on some loudspeaker and I hope you're not easily offended because I'm only reading it. I'm not doing it to denigrate. I'm not doing it to disrespect. I'm not doing it to insult. I am reading exactly what I see on the screen. And I suggest you not have kids around when you go and browse this if you don't want your children exposed to certain language that is of a colorful nature. It's nothing like adult films or anything, but it's colorful language and I want to make sure that you are comfortable before I proceed. If you're not comfortable with somewhat colorful language, then I suggest that you stop the podcast and maybe read about it when I do a little post, and then you can go do your research if you want. But of course, going and doing the search of the site, you'd have to enter that verbiage anyway. I'm hoping that you're an adult who is okay with some colorful language that is not used to denigrate or insult. I know I spent a lot of time on this secondary disclaimer, but it's critical that I don't offend you that it's not my choice of using this word. I'm not insulting anybody with it. I'm doing it because it's the name of the token. That is called no shit. I, I warned you. Token's name, no shit. Its website is noshitcoin.io. It's on the Binance Smart Chain. This token has gotten a lot of awareness, and I guarantee you it's about its name, but also its mission statement caught not only my eye, but I'm sure it caught a lot of people's eye in what they claimed because it was somewhat refreshing. No shit coin says, and I'm quoting from their site, this is the ultimate shit coin. No bullshit promises about saving the planet, just the real shit we can stick to. Now, from a marketing perspective, from a branding perspective, from a sales perspective, from an attraction perspective, number one, they already have set the precedent that they're not going to hit you with some sort of utility that they cannot back up. There have been numerous tokens that have come, come out and said they're going to reforest or save world hunger or do something else, they're coming straight up to say that's not what we're doing and we're not going to claim that we're doing it. There's no bullshit in what we're doing. You got to respect that if it's true. You got to respect that stance. Their price movement has been steadily up. Now, when I say steadily up, I'm saying that they've been jumping, jumping like many of the other tokens. However, their tokenomics have harmed them a little, little bit, and I'm going to talk about what that means and why I chose to cover this today. Let me read more from the site. And when I talk about marketing and the outreach and appealing to traders, hopefully you'll start to resonate. From the site, shit's getting hot. No shit token. Countless shit coins get released every day, bringing nothing new to the community but tons of useless shit. From bullshit promises of mastermind projects, Scam coins to copycat meme tokens. It became so hard to tell the fake shit from the real shit. No shit coin is an honest utility token that doesn't pretend to solve the world problems. It only focuses on the no shit community, with the only goal being of building an attractive and profitable ecosystem. 
through educational prize-winning games and community engagement rewards, we want to educate no-shit takers how to tell shit from no-shit. From a marketing and branding perspective, you have now spoken to a subset of the community who agrees with them, but more importantly, even if you don't conceptually agree with what they're saying and their pitch, there has been, they're, they're speaking the truth. There have been a lot of scam tokens, yes. There have been a lot of tokens that promise the world and can't deliver it. There have been tokens that have not been forthright with the fact that you're not going to be able to solve world hunger or world peace or anything else. And at the end of the day, you want to try to make some money, but we also want to try to educate you on how to do it right, and we want to enrich you in engagement. All of this sounds good on the surface. Let's keep going because I think it's important to hear this one, these next two. Quoting from the site, no shit can go further. No shit journey. There's a video that talks about how the no shit token works, meaning that's beyond going to the moon. I think it's important to go there. Well, then they have kind of blog entries. They use Medium as one of their social media platforms for blogging. One of them is about coffee. Shit, this is delicious. One of them is about it's random things about planes. The poo that grounded a plane. It's just a data point just to talk about things. And then when they go down to their, what they call shitonomics, not tokenomics, it has what appears to be a 100 quadrillion, yes, supply. against Binance Smart Chain. And 8% goes to the prize fund that I talked about before. 4% goes to liquidity. 1% goes as reflections to the holders and then, of course, prize-winning games. I do have a problem with the spread of the percentages. It's a little bit skewed in favor, but I understand why, but it's a little bit skewed because you've got 8% that goes to the prize fund wallet, which means it doesn't go to the entire investor pool. 4% supports the liquidity, which benefits the investors, and then 1% goes directly. So 5% goes directly to every investor. 8% kind of goes to investors, but you have to earn it. So generically speaking, all investors are not getting the benefit, the full benefit. I would have liked to have seen an even 5%, 5% split. 5% to the prize wallet, 5% to the investors by way of taking 5% to the prize fund wallet, or in this case, let's say you do the same percentages, which looks like 13%. Then I would have loved to see, let's say, 6% to the prize fund wallet, 7% to the investors by way of 3% reflections, 4% to liquidity would have been more fair. I understand why they did what they did because they want the prize fund to kind of be the, the driver behind participating in the token. I'm just saying that I like to see more fair splits than what I'm seeing here. In their, what they call their poo map, instead of a roadmap, they call it, quote, the shit to be done. I like First of all, that's basically what it is, and I like the fact that they're forthright about it. They seem to have done a very good job on the marketing and awareness side because they are constantly trending on coin market cap on a regular basis, and they've done aggressive advertisements of the token and their and their pitch. They've burned what they've said nine percent of the tokens, and it looks like it's a recurrent burn, not an automatic burn. So it'll burn every time they come to some threshold. It looks like. They, do, they did a tech rate audit. Of course, you know that I don't really rate tech rates. So I would like to see something a little bit more uh, like Dessert Finance, especially for their token. I'd love to see Dessert Finance and or Certic audits because I think they're more credible. Overall, 
they are they do have a KYC put up there, so they do have um, at least some information awareness of who they are and what's going on. So that's always good, and they are very heavy on social media, so their presence across social media is strong, and they do communicate with their various holders. Uh, I can't tell exactly where they're coming from uh, as far as regional. I assume it's somewhere in the KYC, so I don't exactly know what that one looks like. The white paper is about midway down the page. I do believe it should be at the very top of the page, but that's okay. That's a nitpick. That's a personal nitpick. But the white page is down the middle of the page. I'm not really impressed with the white white paper. It's more like a light paper. I do, I understand why they did it this way because they're trying to do it as kind of a marketing attraction type paper. But as I've said, I believe that the white paper needs to be more details about what it is you're doing. So when we talk about this whole prize giveaway thing, I would like to see details of how that's done, how you're going to administer it, how does that work. I just want to see more information of what I see. And then they talk about things that are happening in the future. That's good. All that's great. I just I think there needs to be more details as to what it is, how you're doing what you're already doing more than a marketing pitch. Because the white paper to me is, again, the details. The marketing should be on the main page of the website as it always is. And that's, that's just my personal opinion. Their disclaimer's fine. I don't see anything where they're doing like the other joker where they're talking about, this ain't, this ain't a share. Do, do, uh, no, it is. So, again, con- content-wise, I'm okay. Just I need more about how you're going to do, what you're going to do, what does that mean, how is it administered, details. Not high-level marketing pitch. I just don't think that it's the right answer on this. Uh, claims to have a mar- locked dev wallet. It doesn't say that the liquidity is locked, simply that the dev wallet is locked, and it does look like that it is. And according to what I can tell, it's locked only for about a month, so that's not too long. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if there's a reason why they only locked the dev wallet and only for a couple months because this hasn't been out for very long. I don't know the mechanics on that one. There's not much detail about what's going on there. So as I look at this one, now a couple things stood out beyond what I just covered. From a marketing and advertising and messaging perspective, I think they're perfect in execution. I can't imagine a better way to get eyes on the product, which is what they've successfully done. And this is reflected in the volume numbers I'm seeing. The volume has significantly jumped since they launched. That's all good. And I think the price point's right around where you would expect it to. I do think the supply is a little high because, like I said, to me, like $100 trillion, $200 trillion is right about that perfect spot. And I think it's to be zeros, especially given that the novelty will wear off at some point. Now, the locking of liquidity and everything, to me, is a slight concern, and I'm not sure if there was a reason. I don't see it on the site as to why they did it that way. But I think that may harm them in the long term, trying to get the token to be sustained successful. Because you can be successful short term. But can you keep that pattern? That would be my only concern as far as that goes. And then again, I do think they need a dessert finance audit and a CERTIC audit. I don't know. I don't see they have renounced the ownership, and I wouldn't expect them to at this stage. So there's a couple of things that I would love to see fixed. I don't see any other, like, uh, you know, doing the wallets or doing the swaps. or anything. I don't see any of that, which is good because it means they're focused in what they said and what they said is going to likely be their path forward. So I'm cheering for them, but I don't know enough about them whether to recommend them. As I see it right now, 
it's probably harmless to toss a little bit of money at it because it's Binance Smart Chain gas is pretty low. I would like to see them get on at least one exchange, if only for the exposure and the visibility. I don't know how their name plays into that, but of course you got Porn Rocket up there, so who knows. So if they're listening, and I'll at them as well, the main things I would say, I think the white paper is crap, and I think it needs work. In my personal opinion, this is me. I would love to see more details in that white paper. I want to understand better about the lock of the dev wallet and why it's only a dev wallet and why not the liquidity. I want to understand the renounce of ownership, and if there's a reason why you didn't, I'd like to see that on the site as well. I love the marketing, but I'm concerned about the long term. How are you going to be able to keep people's interest in the long term? Because this was the one challenge with many of the Doge coins, emus, is they can't keep people's interest long term. It's easy to get them up front, but can you keep them? Because if you can't keep that interest and keep sustained growth and interest, it'll be harder to really sell it. So are there other mechanics that will appeal to people other than the fact that you're a no-shitter? That's great, but I think more people are going to need a little bit more utility that have more money. And that's where the exchange, I think, can help fill those gaps. Because you're going to have a lot of big players that will just buy into anything that's low cap. So that's my coverage on the no shit token. On the Binance Smart Chain, again, I'm not going to say I do or don't recommend it. But it probably doesn't hurt to toss a couple bucks and watch it. Because at this point, I think it's too early to really know long-term success. But I do think there's some fundamental things that they should shore up and ideally would shore up. That's all I got for you today. Hopefully the news has been informational and beneficial. And hopefully the no shit coin, this has been an entertaining episode, if nothing else, even if you don't trade it, tune in probably tomorrow and I'll talk about Cytomask.